Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to The Balance. You have stumbled across the number one internet sports talk show in the world. And welcome along outside us as well, our affiliate radio stations all across this great land of the United States. High atop The Balance Studios in Indianapolis, Indiana. A crisp fall morning it is. October has arrived. Winter is coming, as they say, or as... If you're a Game of Thrones uh, fan, you will get that reference. Well, we've got a lot to talk about today. I found a uh, ghost from the past uh, who's going to be joining us and is in the uh, Balance Green Room. Rick Riggin, our executive producer of The Balance, is going to be on with us. <coughs> and uh, we're going to be doing some uh, breaking rank in the first hour, talking college football. And the second hour on the roadmap, Ed Kratz, beat writer from Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor, uh, was going to be joining us and talking about that shellacking that the Eagles did in uh, MetLife Stadium on Thursday night. And we uh, appropriately named this show, The Eagle Has Landed in the Land of Giants. Does that mean that there's no more Eli Manning? Lots of talk about a quarterback that we haven't talked about. Well, he's got to remain relevant, so we'll see. And also, we got the MLB playoffs going on. Aha! We had a big game, Yankees-Boston. So we got a Yankees fan going to be joining us as well. Rich Riviera is going to join us. Big Puerto Rican Yankee fan. Also a good friend of mine as well. And then Mo for the BS Sports Show is going to be joining us during that last half hour to help break down the MLB. So, and plus, he's going to tell you what your safe bets are, your prop bets are, and so forth. So, stick around as they say. It's about to get good. Be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. 
so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. My name is Tom Marcusell, President. Hey, yes, this is a mock version, if you will, of Breaking Rank. Uh, I, I came across, I found the the missing host of the Breaking Rank, an executive producer. Uh, turns out he's going to be the new super, superhero in one of the new uh, Marvel movies, and he's been uh, very, very busy being a superhero. Actually, that's not the truth, but hey, we made him look good anyway. Rick Riggin, executive producer of the balance and host of Breaking Rank, or or or, or uh, quasi host of Breaking Rank. Just kidding. Uh, how you doing, sir? Hey, pretty good. And uh, let's tell the truth here. Did you find me, or did I find you? You found me, I guess. You are the superhero, right? <laughs> That's right. Like like like, like in a Chuck Norris way, you know. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna combine Venom, Spider Man, Batman. 
uh, all of them all all into one. Uh, you're going to be the Incredible Hulk that's dead, dead, uh, coming back, and you're not even going to be an Avenger. You're going to be the uh, I don't know. I'm lost on superheroes. I I can only talk about what I hear other people talk about. I have to admit. Have you seen the new movie Venom? I have not, but the nerd in me knows. I don't know how they've done it with the Tom Hardy. Uh, I think Tom Hardy is going to be great for Venom. But the old school like comic book nerd in me knows that Venom and Spider-Man are basically the same guy. So uh, I do want to see it, though. I haven't seen it yet. I have not seen it. I've heard a lot of people at work talking about it. Um, I heard some people say it wasn't very good. I've heard other people say it was very good. I, I heard Rotten Tomatoes didn't give it a good rating. I have not checked it out, but it certainly is a lot of rave. A lot of people are talking about it. We were at a restaurant yesterday afternoon with some teammates, and we were kind of talking about Venom and the Marvel movies, and the waitress chimed in about being in a, and we were at a Vietnamese restaurant, so she's a big Avengers fan. So I guess this is a big thing. I guess it's something that I'm going to have to get on board with. I'm going to be 50 years old in a week and a half or so on the 23rd. So I guess I'm kind of set in my ways. I like my old cowboy well, movies. If, <laughs> if, she's a, if she's a big Avengers fan, you have to get on board with the new memes too because it's, even as great as crying Jordan memes are, it's all about Infinity War now with the memes. So if she's a big Avengers fan. She probably knows what I'm talking about. Well, talking about superheroes, we let's get into this college football talk. Notre Dame, uh, we'll, we'll kind of break down their season. I know uh, you're a Notre Dame guy as well. No bias there. That's okay. Uh, but also at the same time, uh, we started off this year talking about Notre Dame maybe in a uh, not-so-certain world. But now we're kind of in a different world, if you will. And it, it seems like it's a different uh, Notre Dame team since the, the quarterback change uh, at, uh, during the Wake Forest games. It seems like things have gotten better. And, and really, maybe one could honestly say they'll run the table. So the question is, even if they run the table, are they going to get in the playoffs? And that, to me, is going to create a huge uh, vacuum or a huge black hole, Rick, with the committee if they ignore Notre Dame running the table. What are your thoughts? Uh, if they run the table, they're one hundred and ten percent in the playoff. I mean, that's that's the way it's going to be. the The committee doesn't put anything in these conference championship games, and they've already hurt themselves by making this a fourteen playoff. It should have been an eighteen playoff to even start with, anyway. But undefeated Notre Dame gets in every time, hundred percent. I mean, their resume is going against Alabama's resume. As great as Alabama has looked. They're playing two or three FCS teams on their schedule. Notre Dame's resume is going against Clemson's and Georgia's and Ohio State's and all these schools play these FCS programs, and the only school that doesn't play these teams is Notre Dame. So when you go straight to schedule, even though they don't have that 13th game, uh, yeah, they're up, they're at 110% they're going to be in the playoff if they go undefeated. Well, and I hope you're right about that. I really do. But I, I have to admit, and, and I am uh, not a, a subscriber of this theory, but as we know with mainstream media, they like their hot takes. They like to go with what they like to talk about. They like to go like with like a, a, a trained puppy uh, on the same mat all the time. They always like to go and 
on the same spot all the time, and that's exactly what they want to do here. Uh, Notre Dame's not part of their their uh, P spot, if you will, and so they're going to say everything they can say that that the committee is still. There's a lot of reasons to say that Notre Dame will not get in, especially and maybe even maybe even uh, uh, that Ohio State would get in above. Because Ohio State is one of their favorite peace spots. Let's hope it doesn't happen. Let's hope that we're totally wrong on this. Let's hope that the committee's not made up of a bunch of schmucks that say, hey, uh, we're going to go right along with what what we do. This is what we do. You can play great football, but unless you're uh, an SEC team, unless you're Alabama, unless you're Clemson, what have you, you're not getting in the Final Four. That's just how it is because that's why we created the playoffs Guess what's going to happen next? You're going to have to force us to have six teams, which very well might be on the roadmap. Well, the problem Notre Dame has, and it's a small problem right now, it's just that the four, they're ranked fifth right now. So the four teams ranked above them, one of them is going to have to lose for Notre Dame to slide up. Now, there's a lot of season left. All this is going to sort itself out. Uh, Georgia and Alabama are both in the top four. I mean, that's going to be your SEC championship game, so one of them is going to be falling falling back. The only problem if Georgia it beats Alabama, I just don't think Alabama falls out of the top four. But Alabama beating Georgia, Georgia drops out, Notre Dame goes in, and most of the experts are going to put in Notre Dame, undefeated Notre Dame, in over undefeated Clemson, even though right now Clemson is ranked ahead of the Irish. What did Coach Kelly do to to flip the switch here? I mean, it appears on the surface, although I, we would we would we would logically and intelligently believe that there was more to it. But if you were just to look at it, basically all he did was swapped out quarterbacks, and and they were off to the races. What happened uh, with Notre Dame? What lit the spark underneath their ass? Well, uh, let's just take the uh, the quarterback swap out of it, talk about some other things real quick. I think the defense has got their legs underneath them after these, after the first three games of the season. They play great against Michigan. Uh, you know, then they play Ball State and Vanderbilt, which they could have played a lot better against those teams and not allowed, like, you know, the points they allowed. But after those, the first three games of the season, the defense got their legs underneath them. They're playing better on special teams. Now Dexter Williams is back at running back, and he's been outstanding. Uh, he's probably been the best running back in the country since he's been back. So all this stuff has come together. The line is playing good. They're just playing a lot better across the board. I don't know if there's one thing Brian Kelly did. I just think he has a good bunch of a group of coaches under him, coordinators. I think it's just all came together. And uh, you can pin it on when Ian Book took over the offense, but really it's across the board. They are just playing better at every position. Well, absolutely, and uh, also just want to point out that uh, another teammate here with Breaking Rink, we're not going to be able to join us today, Matthew Embry, who is up in South Bend uh, country, and uh, so uh, just uh, FYI, he is not MIA, but he is actually doing stuff that's related to Notre Dame football radio. Imagine that. I don't understand the concept there. Uh, but anyway, uh, so let's kind of recap. I want to talk about something that you sent me offline, and I have not seen a lot of uh, – things behind this so i'm not i'm not claiming to know this and i'm not saying that this is an official uh type of of event but what you mentioned to me was that you had heard that booker had actually been cheating on midterm exams if that's the case we got us another quarterback controversy with notre dame (laughs) well that uh 
ended up not being the case. That was a, a false story put out by Barstool Sports. I don't know why it's Barstool. They just kind of do what they do. But, yeah, that was uh, Barstool Chief. But you can look him up at Barstool Chief. He actually, the one that came out, broke that news. Uh, it'll scare the hell out of everybody that's a Notre Dame fan and then end up being a false story, false report. Don't know why, you know, if they're going to be a big-time uh, sports company like they are, why, you know, their style, though, they're really humorous and everything. But maybe that was the, the humor behind it. But uh, it's cool with me because it's not not true. But yeah, that was originally broke by Barstool. So it, they, as they say, it's probably what they call clickbait. Okay, so yeah, Barstool's not a. Bar, <laughs> I, I Barstool's cool and all. I mean, they they've got some fun programming, but I kind of look at them as the TMZ of sports. So sometimes TMZ gets it right. Uh, Sometimes they don't. Uh, a lot of times uh, TMZ gets it right, and everybody else does it, for that matter. As a matter of fact, uh, but okay, so we don't we don't have a quarterback controversy. Uh, so what we we have seen again, like I said, we've seen Notre Dame have a great showing against Stanford. Nobody really saw that kind of a punch in the gut uh, to Stanford. Uh, it just kind of really. Uh, they just couldn't get the game going at all. And now last week we had. Uh, 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 Virginia Tech game. Let's talk a little bit about that. We'll get into today's pit game. But really, I mean, number five, Notre Dame just dominated the Hokies all all evening long. Really not a lot to talk about there, but certainly it goes to show how improved the Notre Dame fighting Irish have been. If there's one thing I would say about Notre Dame this year, that I, I've, if you listen to ESPN and watch, watch ESPN, you know, Trevor Maddich, big-time college football guy for ESPN, he says that Notre Dame right now, he thinks, is the only team that could actually stack up against Alabama. And I, that's crazy talk, I know, because how dominant Alabama has been. Uh, but basically he's saying there's no weaknesses for Notre Dame. Now, the way I see it, because I've seen them in person against Ball State, and they, they have done this every single game. Uh, they are really – the defense plays great. The offense really starts slow. They are slow starters. They do not start dominating teams until the second half. And they're going to be favored, you know, today, the rest of the year. They're favored by a lot today. But these slow starts, I think, are going to kind of bite them in the butt a little bit because I think it's going to keep some of these teams in games, let some of these teams grow confidence during the game. And I I would just like to see them this year, as great as they've been, just go ahead and knock out a team and finish a team off in the first half. But I just think their slow starts, as great as they've looked so far since Ian Book has been in, they do start slow, and they really dominate every second half. But I like to see them finish the first half. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow, obviously ESPN college uh, football analyst, uh, is not convinced that the unbeaten Notre Dame is one of the nation's best teams because, according to him, the Irish still haven't played anybody good yet. Uh, What are your thoughts on that hot take, Rick? Well, I mean, let's just compare their schedule against Alabama. You know, Bama's played – the Arkansas State Superpower, uh, the YMCA, they're going to play the Citadel this year. I mean, I know Tebow's probably just told to stir up some controversy because he's, you know, he's Tim Tebow likes to play everything down the middle. He ripped on Alabama's fans for not showing up to games last week. So, I, I, I don't know. I didn't really hear the comments. don't know what to say about it. But uh, every team ranked ahead of the Irish right now, 
uh, take their schedules and put them against Notre Dame. So Notre Dame is definitely the better schedule out of everybody else. Well, you know, and looking at your schedule, uh, you're not playing a lot of ranked teams going forward, at least where it is now. So I could kind of see the concept there, but at the same time, if you're undefeated, you're undefeated. You know, here's what here's what a lot of people don't know about college football. College football schedules are made years in advance, and I and I don't like right. that at all. I don't like that at all because what it does, Rick, is it really does allow teams to begin to prepare. And I, and I think Alabama took advantage. A lot of people think, well, Alabama just became so good, and a lot of these SEC teams became so good. No, they actually began getting good years ago based on the schedule that they know. So that said, Notre Dame knew who they were going to be playing all along this year uh, and, and have been able to prepare for that. So I don't know, because teams that were good before, like USC a few years ago, was a very dominant team against Notre Dame. They're not even ranked right now. You got them in, I think, the last game of your, of your schedule. Stanford has, has been ranked and has been a very dominant team before. So you, you, could, you could argue to say that Stanford was, was a good team. Certainly Navy has, has been there. So there's a lot of teams that you guys have played that are good teams and were even good teams last year. So I would say that that shouldn't come into play if you're undefeated in your Notre Dame, just like if you're undefeated in your Alabama it's newsworthy. If you, if, you, if you don't win a game and you're Alabama, it's very newsworthy. If you don't win a game and you're Notre Dame, it's very news, newsworthy. So if you go undefeated, it has nothing to do with you not playing anybody not good. You have played some very good teams. Uh, I, we won't throw Pitt's – I would say Pitt's a lukewarm team for you, so I wouldn't even throw them in the mix. But I certainly would throw uh, Navy in the mix as being a good team. I certainly would throw – uh, uh, Florida State in the mix of being a good team. Uh, Syracuse, you may not have said it was a good team, but we saw what they were able to do against Clemson. So they beat Syracuse, Clemson last year. Yep, so there you go. There's some, some good teams there. Let's talk about Pittsburgh and Notre Dame. Let's get into some of these other games where we still got some time on the clock, Rick. Uh, but uh, I believe it's a home game today. If not, I apologize for that. Um, it but, is. Uh, Pittsburgh, okay, Pittsburgh at Notre Dame. X's and O's, and uh, Doc crosses the T's. As you mentioned, Notre Dame is a heavy favorite. They're, they're always a favorite at home anyway, uh, but uh, I don't know that Pitt really has the ammunition or the muscle or has the power to stop an undefeated Notre Dame today. Well, before we get into that, Tom, do you mind if I go ahead and just rebuttal everything you just said about scheduling teams in advance? I would expect nothing less, sir. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, teams will schedule these games four or five years in advance, and they have no control over how good these teams are actually going to be when they finally play them. You know, Florida State, year in and year out, is a top 25 team. It's like USC, Stanford, you know, so you don't really know. But what you can control is what Alabama does is they schedule Arkansas State before they play against Texas A&M. That's a big game, okay? They schedule the Citadel later this year as a tune-up game before they play against Auburn. Now, what kind of crap is that? And they will not schedule a road game in the non-conference. They always play at a neutral site. Notre Dame does not do that. Notre Dame does not schedule these FCF schools. Notre Dame will go out of conference. Well, they're not in a conference, but they will play these big road games. Next year, they're on the road at Georgia. I mean, Alabama will not go north of the Mason-Dixon to play a school, for one thing. And Alabama will not play a true road game at a neutral site. So you want to talk about scheduling stuff in advance. Mm-hmm. This is what Alabama is doing compared to Notre Dame. 
Now, how what what is the level playing field here? Now, how fair is that? What kind of crap is that? I don't know how they let schools get away with that. If you've scheduled an FCS school anyway, you should be automatically disqualified from any postseason for that for for that year. It, like Bama should not be allowed to play postseason games this year. You don't see the NFL playing Canadian football league teams midseason, <laughs> so they shouldn't point. be allowed to do it in college either. Well, here's here's All the right, thing. I'm done. I'm going to put my tin for a hat on here for just a moment. If you look at the members of the committee and their associations and their connections, if you want to talk about collusion, we talk about collusion in politics all the time. There's all kinds of collusion in, in sports and especially in college football, definitely in college basketball, as, as we've learned and as the FBI has learned for us. There's all kinds of collusion going on, and I think there's just something fishy in the water with the SEC. And the committee, I, I, I mean, I know that that's like, oh, we can't, we can't go there, we can't, we can't say that. But look at the connections that the committee has to the SEC. Whether it's family members that work for schools, whether it's kids that go to school there, or whether it's that they're alumni or that they're alumni supporters, uh, there's all kinds of connections from people on the committee <clears throat> to the SEC and especially. Uh, the University of Alabama rolling tide. So I would think there's an awesome reason for that. But at the same time, uh, Nick Saban, Alabama, say what you want. Be a, be a hater if you will. Uh, just like a, a lot of teams might hate the Patri- uh, hate uh, the Red Sox this year because they were the better team and they beat the Yankees. We'll talk about that at the, at the tail end of the show. Um, they're still a good team. Um, you know, you, I'm going to – Get off in the weeds here for just a moment here. Uh, a magnificent accomplishment by Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, he went to Purdue. But, you know, if you kind of look at some of the, the events around that, what happens if he doesn't go to the Saints? What happens if – because believe it or not, Nick Saban was right there saying, hey, I think I want to draft uh, uh, Drew Brees. And he was kind of advised not to do so because they didn't really trust – his health wise. And so Nick Saban did not draft Drew Brees. As we know, as the story goes on, Nick Saban goes on to Alabama, but had that happened would the course of history have changed at all was Alabama destined with Nick Saban or was Nick Saban destined with Alabama? Those are questions that keep you up at night, Rick. Yeah, I don't know, but what really the draft, it was a uh, Drew Brees, a free agent, after playing with the Chargers, because he played with the Chargers. He had torn labor. You're right. I'm sorry. And they You're didn't right. know if he would, if he would right. be able to uh, throw or, you know, kind of do the things he was doing with the Chargers, you know, ever again, or the way he was doing it. So they passed on Drew Brees and took Dante Culpepper instead. Uh, I don't know if Drew Brees would have been the Drew Brees that we know in Miami. Even though he was a pretty good quarterback, a winning quarterback with San Diego. Of course, he leaves and Phillip Rivers takes over San Diego. But – I'm not real sure, you know. We always heard that that entire season that Nick Saban will not be Alabama's next head coach, but here we are. <laughs> so I don't know who, here we who are. is destined for who. That's right. Well, well, we'll we'll figure that out. But one thing that is destined to happen uh, is that uh, Pittsburgh comes into Notre Dame. Let's play the devil's advocate here just because we want to stir the pot a little bit. Certainly don't think that this is a reality, but we've been talking all morning here about uh, Notre Dame running the table uh, about them not playing anybody good. Let's 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 play devil's advocate for just a second. Let's imagine that we live in a world where things change. I mean, let's imagine we live in a world of upsets. What happens if Pitts 
comes into Notre Dame and beats you at home today? Uh, well, then Notre Dame's playoff chances are probably pretty much over with. I mean, they're still going to be ahead of Michigan, but probably not Penn State. You know, so it's really tough to make the playoffs then. Uh, it's not really like a, a, some bizarro fantasy world you're talking about. Pitt has a way of showing up for big games like this. That You know, they uh, – just like uh, Syracuse does, beating Clemson last year. Pitt could have beat Clemson last year, almost beat Clemson last year. Pitt did beat number two Miami last year. Uh, we saw in 2012 when Notre Dame played against national title against Alabama. They played Pitt that year. That game went triple overtime. Then the Irish won because Pitt missed their field goal in overtime. So they should have lost that. Notre Dame should have got beat by Pitt in 2012. Uh, Pitt has a way of showing up for these big games. Uh, maybe they keep it kind of close. Like I said, Notre Dame starts slow in these first halves, and I don't know why that is just yet. But maybe well, they keep Pitt in this game and grow in confidence. All righty. Well, Rick, let's go ahead and go back to that last question. I'm going to give you the official analyst of uh, the Notre Dame Pitt game today, and then we'll take a break and get back with some of these other games. But real quickly, dot the I's, cross the T's, and tell us what are we going to see today against Pittsburgh and – the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Well, Notre Dame comes in. Uh, they're actually a three-touchdown favorite, 21-point favorite. And if you know a thing about Notre Dame, you never bet the spread with the Irish. Yeah, they hardly ever cover. Uh, I, I think they get close to covering that today. I, I, I do think somewhere between 17 and 21 points is what the Irish will win by. But if, I, I wouldn't bet on them to, to, to win by much more than that. It will be three score, three-score game, I'm thinking. But like I said, It'll be a second-half dominating performance because they start slow in the first half. I would like to see them finish them off in the first half. I think Pitt's just good enough uh, to kind of keep it close in the first half, and I do think the Irish pull away in the second half. I know uh, Matthew Embry had an Irish win in 28-24. Uh, I see what he's going for there, you know, because Pitt does show up in these big games. I, I, I don't think that's going to be that close, but – uh, you just never know, but I do see Notre Dame winning by about 17 to 21 points. Well, we're going to get into some more college football talk, uh, uh, kind of a mock breaking rank, a host of uh, breaking rank, Rick Riggin, executive producer of The Balance. My name is Tom Marquisell, Presidente. We're going to find out, will Ed Oregon uh, buckle against uh, University of Georgia? And a lot of other games to talk about right here on The Balance Radio Network. 917-889-8516 is our digits. If you want to chat, we'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 
888-382-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Porklet, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you could save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. All right, and welcome back to The Balance, 917-889-8516 is our digits rolling right along here into the second half hour of our mock breaking rank, if you will. Uh, joining us is the host of Breaking Rank, Mr. Rick Riggin, executive producer of The Balance, talking some college football. We've been talking Notre Dame, and we're going to get into some of these other games here uh, in just a, a moment. But no, again, you know me, I kind of get off on my squirrel moments, so... Did you see or hear the story about the drunk birds in Minnesota? Uh, I did not. <laughs> okay. This is, is – I tell you what, I, I, I had a second glance. I'm always looking at tweets and stuff that pops up. So apparently just north of Duluth, Minnesota, this is a true thing. You can Google uh, drunk birds Minnesota. I, I guess that there's a, been a problem uh, with their, their uh, migration cycles. I'm not going to get into the climate change stuff, which is probably what they wanted us to get into when they started talking about it. But nonetheless, these birds weren't flying south the way they normally do. So um, what they've done, been doing is eating berries. And berries, as they sit on a wild berries, as they sit on a vine, uh, they begin to ferment, ferment and turn into alcohol. So these birds have been drinking and flying. And then they've been crashing into car windows. They've been crashing into people. Uh, they've been just uh, passing out and falling out out of the sky. So there was a, it was like, okay, what's going on here? Is this 
an accomplice thing going on here. So they did some tests on the birds and found out all these birds were inebriated. And so they said if a bird collapses, get them somewhere warm, basically let them sleep it off and, you know, let them loose if if you're so inclined to do so. But I just thought that was the most bizarre thing. I don't know why, but I'm just thinking <laughs> if birds come dropping out of the air, I'm going to freak out. And the last thing I'm going to do is want to do is like, well, uh, is, this, is this person, is this bird inebriated or does it need to, do I need to, <laughs> do I need to find like it a, an Uber? Or, <laughs> I guess. Does, it, does that bring a whole new meaning to, to a, the word drunk tweet? I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> Ba bum bum. All right, well, let's get back into it. We'll get off. We'll get off the the, the drunk birds. But uh, I just uh, happened to be reminded of that story that I that I heard this week, and I thought, well, you know, I, I guess there's not been any law I know passed what that you says did, that. Though. He's like, oh, drunk animals, drunk birds. I know who would appreciate this. Another guy <laughs> likes his alcohol a little bit. I'm going to tell Rick Rick and all about this. That's right. That's absolutely that is absolutely right. I mean, to my knowledge, there's not been any laws passed that says that they can't drink and fly, but I would think that that would not be a good idea. I mean, you know, you got these birds going around with some hangovers and stuff going on, so we'll see what we'll see what's going on. Uh but maybe uh another person who is drunk is um at Oregon. Uh Will he buckle again against the University of Georgia? I guess that's another question that keeps us up at night today, Rick. But but that is one of our questions and one of our games of the week that we're going to talk about. So let's talk about it. What what are your thoughts? Uh, go ahead on that game. Oh, okay. Well, Oregon, uh, Oregon and Georgia. I, I'm sorry. I, go ahead. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, LSU, Georgia, Georgia. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're right. And, and or and Oregon, Oregon. Not Oregon. I'm I'm still on the drunk birds. Go right ahead. <laughs> well I I do think they will lose to Georgia if, uh, in a good game. It it'll be a good game and, and losing to Georgia will not get Ed Orger on fire. L S U this year is outstanding defensively. Uh, this is an Ed Orger on defense. All right. Uh their problem is even though Joe Pearl, the quarterback, has been getting better and better as the week's going on. They're, they are still a little sluggish on offense, and that's going to be the deep, uh, not the, deep, the, the difference in this game. It's just their offense versus Georgia's defense. Uh, Georgia's also outstanding uh, defensively, obviously, under Kirby Smart, who is the D coordinator at Alabama. But, you know, the, it, this LSU's offense, which is sluggish still, but getting better against that outstanding defense against Georgia, and that is the difference in this game. Uh, a loss to Georgia will not get Ed Orger on fire, but I do think uh, just because how like outstanding LSU's defense is, it, it's going to be a, a pretty good game. It's not going to be a big blowout. Well, we got some uh, college football rankings out for week number seven. No really big surprises there. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Georgia. Three, Ohio State. Uh, four, Clemson. Five, as we talked about earlier, Notre Dame. Uh, six, uh, West Virginia. Uh, seven, Washington, which is another big game. We'll get into them, them here in just a moment. Uh, Penn State, Texas, UCF, Oklahoma, Michigan, LSU, Florida, Wisconsin, Miami, Oregon, Kentucky, Colorado, North Carolina State, Auburn, Mississippi, and Cincinnati all round out the top 25 
What are your thoughts? Week seven in the rankings and where they're at. Now that is the AP rankings. Uh, that is not necessarily the coaches ranking. I think you and I usually use the AP rankings, but the coaches rankings might vary a little bit differently uh, opposed to. So whichever ranking you look at or looking at, but when we are referring to this, we're kind of referring to the AP rankings. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, and that's the one you need to look at right now. But October 30th is the uh, the playoff, the first playoff rankings. Uh, that's when they first start coming out. And once those come out, that's the only rankings that matter then. Uh, so the October 30th, I believe it's a Tuesday night or something like that, for Halloween, that is the uh, first uh, playoff ranking. So from that point on, that's the rankings we'll be using because that's the only ones that matter then. And then they don't use the AP, coaches poll, nothing like that. RPI for anything else is all just about the college football playoff rankings uh, from that point. And while I think about the current rankings, though, the AP, uh, I look at UCF being top, what did you say, the 10th, 11th? Uh, I just like the love UCF is getting now. You know, it's defending a national champion. They're 10th, yes. No, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love that. I love, I love their top 10 team getting the love. So, speaking about teams getting love, we've got the we've got uh, the Washington Oregon game. See there, the, see see what I did. I tied it back in there. Uh, the, yeah. the Washington, <laughs> the Washington Oregon game. Washington's ranked number seven. It doesn't ever feel like Washington ever gets the love from the committee, from the playoff committee. Are they going to get a trick-or-treat uh, when these rankings come out at the end of October? They're not going to get a treat. I think they're going to get a trick yet again. Well, yeah, well, they should have beat Auburn. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, they're going to get a trick. Valid point. <laughs> Valid point. Valid point. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Washington-Oregon game. We're going to get into some of these other top 25 games and uh, kind of break down and get your thoughts on those and dot the I's and cross the T's uh, over the next few minutes as we try to break down today's action in college football. Well, this game here is going to feature like probably the best two quarterbacks in college football right now. This is going to be your top two quarterbacks taken in the draft. It's Justin Herbert and Jacob Browning uh, for Washington. Justin Herbert, obviously, for Oregon. Uh, Oregon is like sneaky good. They, they should not have lost that game to Stanford a couple weeks ago. Uh, a fumble here, a fumble there, a couple bounces that go the wrong way. They let Stanford in. The very they had almost like a 31 point lead in that game the second half and lost it to Stanford, which is great for me being an Irish fan and Notre Dame beating up Stanford. That makes our strength of schedule look better. But they should have had a loss to Stanford anyway. Uh, Oregon's sneaky good. I think Oregon actually is going to beat Washington, and Washington, uh, once again, is going to get tricked. Okay, well, we'll see what happens. Let's go through some of these games today. We'll kind of kind of go through the fire so that we can get through all of them. Uh, certainly, if you have a hot take, feel free to do that. If you want to join us, 917-889-8516 is the digits. So let's start uh, in Vanderbilt, Florida, number 14, Florida, visits Vanderbilt. Uh, obviously, Vanderbilt 5-1. and one. I mean, no, I'm sorry, uh, Florida 5-1 and one and Vanderbilt 3-3. Three and three. You guys are familiar, uh, as far as Notre Dame goes, are familiar with Vanderbilt. They actually played you guys a pretty good game. Of course, that was before the quarterback switchover. Uh, but uh, what are your thoughts on this game, uh, uh, the Gators uh, coming in to Vanderbilt? Vandy actually had a chance towards the end of that game to win that game, which is crazy to me. Uh, but I think it was just an overthrown pass or a drop pass at the end. out to put them right in the field goal range or a shot at the end zone. They had a shot at the end of that game to actually beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame, which is nuts. Uh, I don't see that game going this way at all. Uh, today, 
uh, Florida's getting better and better under Dan Mullen, and uh, they're becoming a, a for real SEC team again. You know, kind of like the Florida you thought you would think about under Steve Spurrier back in the day. They are heading in that direction. I don't think there's any problems today Florida has with Vanderbilt. Uh, Florida is uh, they're coming on strong. Another year or two, they're going to be right there at the top. These are elite teams in the SEC. You know, we talk about uh, strength of schedule a lot of times on this show and on Breaking Rank, and when we talk about the committee and we talk about this and we talk about that. And we, we were talking a little bit earlier about uh, Notre Dame getting in the playoffs and maybe even Ohio State would say that they would get in above uh, Notre Dame uh, just, just for conversation purposes. But Ohio State does not have a what I would consider a strength of schedule, especially within the Big Ten, uh, Wisconsin, uh, would would say would be a, a good challenger for them, maybe Northwestern. But depending on the year, for the most part, uh, ten strong conference compared to other conference. And today's another one of those examples. They've got Minnesota. Minnesota's coming in. Uh, Ohio State six and zero. Minnesota's three and two, limping along, not seeing much of a, of a thing here. But when we talk about strength of schedule. There is no strength of schedule, but Ohio State, I'm not an Ohio State hater, not really. I won't say publicly anyway. No, I'm just kidding. But, no, Ohio State is a good team. Um, Urban Meyer's back. They're solid. Uh, I'm not saying they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. What I am saying is when you look at strength of schedule, Ohio State does not have the strongest schedule for the most part year in and year out. Oh, not at all. And uh, overall, I don't think your schedule is as good as Notre Dame's or as tough as Notre Dame's. But to this point right now, Ohio State has a better win than what Notre Dame has because uh, going on the road at Penn State and beating Penn State, for uh, that is that, that was a huge win. That's one of the, probably the biggest wins Urban Meyer's had outside of a national championship uh, because uh, Penn State is probably the toughest place to play in college football. 110,000 people. Trace McStory is a great quarterback. James Franklin's a great coach at Penn State. That was might have been Urban's like biggest win outside of a postseason game. So you compare that to what Notre Dame did against Michigan at home. I mean, that's obviously a much better win. I don't think Ohio State's schedule is as strong as Notre Dame's, but that is definitely going to be the biggest, a bigger win than what Notre Dame's going to have this year. Well, we move on down south to the SEC, the Volunteers against the Tigers, uh, Tennessee, uh, two and three, visiting uh, uh, number 21-ranked Auburn for two. This could go either way, and honestly, Auburn's not been playing at, to their potential, let me put it that way. I think that they can beat Tennessee, but Tennessee is a um, kind of a secret hidden weapon, if you will. They can beat you if you, if, if you don't pay attention. Yeah, I actually agree with you on this one. I think that could be a 50-50 game. I think Tennessee is probably trending slowly towards the right direction uh, under Jeremy Pruitt, you know, their, their new brand-new head coach. And Auburn is not living up to expectation. They, I mean, they're, they're just not as good as what we thought they were, which is a problem for Washington since Washington lost to Auburn this year. So maybe the – Auburn's just uh, downplaying things until it's time to play Bama at the end of the year. I have no idea. But they are definitely not the team we thought they would be. They were in a lot of people's top four. Uh, they're obviously not a playoff team anymore. So uh, I, I think you're, I think Auburn gets a close win here, but it would not shock me at all if Tennessee pulled this one out. 
Let's move on over to a, a, a game that, uh, and I want to talk about last week's game with Texas, but Texas and Baylor. But before we get into that game, what a magnificent game. Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, Texas comes back, wins it in the final second of the game, if you will, and redeems themselves. They redeem themselves in so many ways. The Longhorns are now relevant in college football 2018, Rick. Yeah, and, and really Tom Herman needed that win to quiet the fan base and get the fan base there in Texas behind him because I know he was their guy, and then they lost to Maryland first game of the season last year. They didn't have that great of a season last year, and he was already losing the fan base, and then they lost to Maryland again in the first game of the season this year. So it started to look like the fan base is turning on him a bit, and then now they're a top-ten team, and they beat Oklahoma, their big rival. The fan base is – fully behind Tom Herman, so that game was really for him, and not just a program. It was, the, it was a program win for Texas, but even a bigger win for Tom Herman. Uh, what I would say to the Texas fan base, though, is just cool your boots because you're not going to make the playoff this year. The crazy uh, chaos is just going to have to happen with everybody ahead of you for Texas to have a shot at the playoff because that loss to Maryland this year, first game of the season, uh, you just don't realize how bad that's going to hurt and how bad in the eyes of the committee that looks. So no shot to play off this year, even if you just went out and win the Big 12. Baylor comes into Texas today. Obviously, Baylor 4-2, and two, uh, Texas 5-1. Texas has got to have another good game. The Bears are a good team. I don't know that they've got enough to beat Texas at home, especially after last week bringing a lot of momentum in. Uh, but it should be a, a good watch. Uh, I'm just going to take Texas big in, in that. Since the the scandal at Baylor with Art Bryles and everything, uh, that football program has just been shredded. And I, I just don't see them even uh, – Texas is, is a not an elite team, but a, a good to great team. And Baylor's just not nowhere near that level anymore since that scandal. So I think it's going to be Texas in the blowout today. Well, let's move back on over to the Big Ten. Michigan State Sparty against the Nittany Lions. Uh, come uh, Penn State's at home. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, uh, they got outcoached by Urban Meyer. They had that game in the cusp, and they allowed Ohio State to just just basically take the game away from them. Penn State uh, obviously ranked uh, number eight. They're a ranked team. Uh, again, maybe a stronger team within the Big Ten. We're talking about strength of schedule, uh, but Penn State. Uh, allowed themselves to get out coach. I don't know that Michigan State is really going to be able to come into Penn State and do any damage, but at the same time, you got to look at what Penn State did against Ohio State. There's a lot of uh, reading into the tea leaves with that one, Rick. Yeah, talk about your big like letdowns for the year. You know, Michigan State was another team that some experts ESPN had in the, t- in the top four. They thought Michigan State was really going to be a, a powerhouse this year, bringing all these starters back from the team last year. I think they returned something like 19 or 21 starters from last year. So a lot of people are thinking they're going to be great. But they lose to Herm Edwards in Arizona State in week two, and it's gone downhill from there. So uh, it's going to be an easy easy win for Penn State. They get back on track. I mean, they got back on track last week after that Ohio State loss. That was a couple weeks ago. But uh, no problems today for Penn State. So what we've got now is we've got Texas A&M coming into South Carolina, the Gamecocks. Texas A&M uh, ranked number 22, 4-2, but Texas-South uh, Carolina Gamecocks are 3-2. and two. They are a very good 3-2 and two team. Do not be fooled by their record. The Gamecocks can definitely beat you at home. 
Yeah, I think South Carolina actually just pulls this game off. Uh, It's Jimbo Fisher's first year at Texas A&M, and it's hard to gauge what a a team looks like when you got a new coach, new coaching staff trying to install like a a new system and, and what everything is supposed to look like. I mean, they don't look all that great offensively. They look really good on the defensive side, of course, because they have Mike Elko as the defensive coordinator. But offensively, they're just not quite there, and I think that's going to be the difference in the game. I think South Carolina is going to win a close one. You're listening to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquisell, Presidente, along with the host of Breaking Rank and executive producer of The Balance, Rick Riggett. Uh, we're talking college football, doing kind of a mock Breaking Rank, which typically happens on Wednesday night, but we've kind of just had some scheduling issues. Uh, but you can catch, uh, catch us all on the podcast on any of your major podcast platforms as well. And we're talking college football, and we're going to be getting into some NFL talk here in uh, just a little bit with Ed Crack, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagle official NFL contributor. We're also talking about drunk birds and what we're talking about animals, because I'm always about animals, crazy animal stories. Did you hear about the killer tiger in India? Yes. I actually listened to that interview. Uh, Wasn't that the, great? I kicked the cover play Travis couple years, that great? Uh, a couple of days ago. Yeah. Great. I, I mean, it. insane. Great interview. No, I, I thought, well, we were talking about animals, but, and of course, that's where I hear a lot of these stories. I'm a big Clay Travis fan, so that's, that's no secret. Uh, but uh, I, I love his work. He does a great job. He's got a great, uh, a good book coming out called uh, Republicans Buy Sneakers, too. So go ahead and, and, and buy that book. But, uh, and I'm not getting any type of endorsement from Clay to do that. Uh, but, you know, we should have him on the show sometime. We should, ha- we, should, we should have him on and get his hot takes. Well, that was a great story. So that's a, the, <laughs> That'll be awesome. Uh, he has a time for us small timers, man. So, <laughs> hey, you never know, buddy. You know what? He, he's very open about the fact that he's very easy to contact, and he's very the worst. The worst thing you can do is say no. So maybe I'll reach out to him and say, "Hey, we'd love to have you on and talk with you about your book." Uh, so, what, you know, well, we might we might do that. Uh, stay tuned. Couldn't uh, make make that happen. Uh, but but nonetheless, so, so those are the stories. We digress. We will get in the weeds. Uh, but here here's the story. Killer tiger. And I'll make it make it quick. Killer tiger in India uh, has been uh, and and has been killing humans, and now the tiger's cubs are killing humans, and they have not been able to catch it. They've got a very apparently a very well renowned. Uh, tiger catcher on the case and he was on, on clay travis uh this week great interview by the way check it out uh but i guess what they've done is they've taken the cologne um is it escape is that is that what it was rick it's some male cologne. Uh, i think so yeah okay i think it's escape i could be wrong on the actual cologne but it's a male cologne that apparently has these uh pheromones cats love and it's like an aphrodisiac to them so they are creating these sacrificial horses and they are coating these horses with the with the cologne in hopes to lure out the the man-eating tigers and i guess according to the interview that uh, why tigers like to eat humans if they can one they're easy prey two the skin is softer the tissue is softer and it's easier for their cubs to uh to eat so oftentimes when tigers kill humans it's to feed their cubs who would have known but anyway killer tigers you know i should have should have came in with the lead in uh eye of the tiger uh that that's for sure but uh yeah, that's right <laughs> <laughs> 
I digress. We'll get back on track here. We talked. We were talking a little bit about earlier about number ten UCF. Uh, they, they're they're five and zero, oh, but they come in against a moderately good four and two team at home at Memphis. Well, look, they're going to run the table again this year. So when it comes to playoff uh, time, selection time, what's the committee going to do UCF? And this is where strength of schedule comes into play over a conference championship game. Uh, you know, that extra game definitely hurts you if you lose, but it really does nothing for you if you win. So why even play it in the first place? But strength of schedule is what UCF has to worry about. It's not their fault. They're in a non-Power 5 conference. I mean, they could actually, like, transfer, move conferences and join something different, I guess, or beef up that schedule some. That's going to keep them out of the playoff again this year because they're strength of schedule, but they're going to run the table again. And they're probably going to win the bowl game, and then they'll be the banners of being back-to-back national champions. Uh, would be great for me. Well, and, I think it would be awesome. There, well, there you go. What happens if UCF and Notre Dame both run the table and Alabama run the table? Where, where are we at on that? So, you know, well, there's a yeah, lot well, UCF to... won't even get in at all anyway, so – over, you know, a Big Ten champion or Clemson ACC champion, something like that. So uh, that that's the problem with UCF. They got they got to go against these elite programs here to actually play a schedule. So that that's the problem with UCF. See, this is my problem with college football as opposed to college basketball. You're seeded how you're ranked. Okay, I get the seeding part of it. But you play to win. And if you win, you keep going. And, and I think that, that if you're – if you're undefeated, you should be seated high, and we should have a better playoff system than what we do with college football because it just kind of does eliminate teams like UCF and other teams that have an undefeated team. I don't know. I don't am not a, a fan, even if it, if it comes out at the end of the day when everything comes through the wash and, and, and all the dust settles, the best team is the team with the strongest schedule was the best team. We got that. That happened. But let, let other – what happens if a use let's play uh, puppy dogs and butterflies? Let's say, just for for purposes of having a conversation, we go through a process without strength of schedule. You have a UCF and you have an Alabama in the championship game. UCF beats Alabama. What happens then? They're a national champion. <laughs> they're a national champion, but. One would argue, well, they're not the best team in football. We didn't get the best team in football as the champion because Alabama was the best team in football because they had the strongest schedule. Does the best team in football mean that you have the strongest schedule, or does the best team in football mean that you beat the best team in football? But it's, it's like applying for a job with a resume. You have to turn in a resume, and how your resume looks determines if you get in the playoff or not. If you're undefeated against the Big Ten, uh, and you compare that to a team like UCF that plays the YMCA and School for the Blinds, you know, five times a year. Uh, what resume are you going to take? The undefeated season against the Big Ten schedule or the uh, School of the Blind schedule? So you know what I mean? It's like applying for a job. You're applying for a spot in the playoff, and your resume is all you have to go off of. Okay. We'll take that. We'll use that argument. If you're the coach of the School of the Blind and the School of the Blind was able to go out there and you were the coach and you were able to coach a team that beat big powerhouse teams because they were blind, would you still take them? What? <laughs> I'm talking about the uh, – what, what my point being is if you said the School of the Blind. Let's slow it down here. Slow the bus down. You said if you, yeah, if you yeah, were the coach yes, – Yeah, the School of the Blind University yeah. plays against UCF and UCF – beats up on the school of the blind. Are you no, going to take that win, or, or are, you, are you going to take Ohio State beating up on Michigan? I would take I Ohio said, State let, beating Michigan over UCF beating the school of the blind. 
what I, what I'm what I'm saying is, if we're talking about resumes, if the school of blind beat UCF, even though they didn't have right. a stronger schedule, would not the school of blind be the better team? On that day, yes. <laughs> of the overall four season, no. I guess what what I'm saying is there that there should be a more weightable way to measure. Well, a team well here's what you want to say, and, I, and I'll say it for you: the playoffs should be eight teams, and give teams like UCF a, a, a shot. You know, it makes it makes it more of a level playing field. You have your five conferences, and then you have three at large bids, and that's how UCF gets in, being undefeated, because it's not going to happen until we have eight teams. Well, they're going to have to go to six teams before eight teams. So uh, we'll we'll see if that happens. But I don't know that the committee ever wants to go to any. I want. I think they want to keep it in this nice uh, four-team square, if you will, so that they can control. I think it's really about, and I truthfully believe this. This is about control, and this is about revenue. If they can control the teams that get oh, yeah, into, it's all about money, money and ratings. As long as people watch it, it's not going to change because it's generating yeah. money. Let, let's face it. I mean, uh, you're going to have a lower TV rating with UCF in the national championship than you are with Alabama and Clemson, for example. As just as just taking as an example. I would think so. I think people would love to see UCF national title game. I watched the hell out of that. We, yeah, if they were playing somebody like Alabama, but would you? But would you? Would you watch them if they were playing somebody like Kansas? Well, just so I can use the word Kansas. <laughs> Did you watch the, it? Uh, I think the entire country is just so punch drunk now from Alabama that nobody cares to watch Alabama anymore. Even their old fans don't even show up for games anymore. I mean, I know you've seen this in the past couple of weeks. So I, I think anybody but Bama, and it would it, hit great ratings. We're going to shift gears here, but we do have uh, the, the great Ed Kratz in the, in the green with, room with us. Ed, how are you, sir? I'm great, Tom. How you doing, Rick? Hey, pretty good. Just, you know, been fighting with Tom for the past 10 minutes, you know. Same old. <laughs> <laughs> nothing nothing right. much changes. Well, welcome back, uh, Rick, right? he's uh, He's been on hiatus for a few weeks, and, and now he's he's back, and he's 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 geared for uh, – he, he's he's loaded for bear, as they say. He has uh, – so we, we, we've got it down – to the fact you missed the whole debate about the school of the blind in UCF and, you know, resumes as opposed to strength of schedules. I don't think, and we'll get your opinion here. Do you think that one, that college football committee keeps control of the four team playoffs for revenue and ratings? And two, don't, don't you think there's something to be said by an undefeated team period? So UCF undefeated, they don't get the love. They're number ten, but they don't get the love in the in the final four playoffs, as if maybe Notre Dame or Ohio State, Ohio State not being undefeated, and Ohio State somehow has a better strength of schedule than UCF. So, I, do you think that should come into play, Ed? Well, yeah, you hate to see a, an undefeated team get left out of having a chance to win at all, but I think you do have to look at the strength of schedule for sure. Uh, you know that. Notre Dame plays, to me, one of the tougher schedules uh, in football, and that has to count for something. Um, I, I know UCF, nobody really probably wants to play them out of conference because they are so good. 
but you know, I just don't know how you fit them in. I really don't, unless they can find somebody to play. If they could schedule an Alabama, you know, in September, or you know, one of those premier teams, maybe a Clemson. Clemson, you know, to me, Clemson's strength of schedule playing in the ACC is not real good. You know, maybe you could put UCF in over uh, Clemson. I, I don't know. I, depend on the strength of schedule. I think you have to factor in the strength of schedule. Um, and as far as college football suits controlling the revenue, I, I think they want the me- uh, regular season to have meaning. And, you know, the more teams you let into the playoffs, I mean, I could make a case for, you know, eight teams, and but no more than that. I think you want the regular season to mean something. And, uh, and I think to me that's kind of what hurt college basketball, in my, you know, in my viewing eyes anyway is, you know, the, the games, yeah, they're good games, and, you know, the matchups are fun to watch, but, you know, it really means nothing if you were to lose, uh, you know, a big game in, in November or December because you're still going to get into the tournament and have a chance to prove yourself. So I think that's what college football is trying to avoid is just kind of the watering down of the regular season. They want games in September to have a whole lot of meaning uh, on their postseason. All right, guys, uh, Rick, uh, final thoughts uh, before we uh, shift gears over to the NFL. And are you sticking around for some NFL talk with us, sir? Uh, no, sir. I'm going to jump off here. I'm going to eat some breakfast. I'm going to hope my work phone does not ring. And because uh, I've kind of been on edge about that, I hate being on call on Saturdays because they seem like they want to call me in an hour before an Irish game starts. So. Hey, hey, Rick. You know, you, you know how to you know how to do that. One of two things: just turn your phone off, or just let the phone die. You know. Yeah. They, they can't call you in if they can't get a hold of you, right? All right, Rick. That's right. Uh, all right. You, you have yourself a, a good day. Uh, myself and Rick, um, myself and Ed Kratz will be back. We're going to be breaking down. Again, we titled right, the show. You the Eagle... we'll see you, Rick. We'll see you, Rick. Uh, we, titled the, we titled the show, The Eagle Has Landed in the Land of Giants. Uh, Carson Wentz appears to be back. The Eagles are, are, are flying on all cylinders. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom.
It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Porklet, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. All right, welcome back to The Palace. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. One hour in the books. Thanks to Rick Riggin, a host and breaking ranking executive producer of The Balance, uh, jumping on with us and talking college football with me for the last hour. Uh, maybe arguing a little bit, but that's what Rick and I do. We can never agree on any one thing other than maybe sometimes it's, it's daylight out at the same time. Sometimes we will agree uh, on that. Talked about some drunk birds and some man-eating tigers. What else uh, uh, can you expect? But okay, We're jumping right into our NFL talk. As I mentioned, title of the show, the Eagle has landed in the land of giants. We're going to get into that. Obviously, a, a great week, week for Drew Brees as well. Joining us now is Ed Kratz. Um, our official NFL contributor and beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles with the sports exchange, www.footballmaven.io slash Eagles. Ed, how you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, Tom. Good to talk to you. Still raining here in Philadelphia, but could be worse. Well, at least you got the weekend off. You you got the the game uh, done on Thursday. (laughs) We'll get into that. I know it was a good game for the Philadelphia Eagles against the New York Giants. A lot of implications uh, came out of that game, especially at at the quarterback back helm. I think a lot of answers were answered on both sides uh, of the quarterback, and and we may be seeing an end to an Eli Eli Manning error at the New York Giants. But before we get to that, I want to talk about your thoughts on – Drew Brees, uh, obviously Purdue grad, Big Ten uh, grad. Uh, Drew Brees uh, uh, kind of changed the course of history in a lot of ways. If if we look back at his days with the Chargers, and then he was hurt, and then there was the ability. Do we does does he go to uh, uh, the Saints? Uh, 
maybe you, you throw in the, the thought that if Nick Saban picked him up because he was advised not to, and had he decided to go ahead and do that, would he be the coach of Alabama? Would that, is Nick Saban destined to Alabama, or is Alabama destined to Nick Saban? So there's that twist to it also. Also, a very classy act video. I don't know if you saw Peyton Manning's video uh, to Drew Brees, but I thought that was a classy act. So let's talk a little bit about Drew Brees, quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, clearly one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, and you mentioned Purdue, and I remember him at Purdue and how he just threw the ball over the yard there. And then, uh, you know, the questions around him were, is he, you know, is he tall enough to play quarterback? And sure has proved a lot of people wrong on that point. Um, and, and he's made it okay now for the NFL to look at shorter quarterbacks, you know, like a Russell Wilson or a Baker Mayfield, uh, because of what Breeze has been able to do, um, you know, with his stature. And he's just, and he's just a class guy, too. I mean, uh, you know, I've uh, talked to Drew a little bit years ago when the Eagles played the Saints, and, of course, they're playing him again this year, so we'll probably have him on a, on a conference call. And, you know, he's just a real nice, uh, real nice approachable uh, type of person. So, you know, it's nice to see good things happen to good people, and, and that's certainly the case here. Um, you know, and the thing that I've looked at recently, and I only do this because I was looking at consecutive games with a touchdown pass because – uh, Carson Wentz is at 19 now, which is a new franchise record for uh, consecutive games of the TD pass. He pulled out of a tie with uh, Randall Cunningham. Uh, and I'm thinking, well, it just doesn't sound like a lot of <laughs> consecutive games of the touchdown pass. And sure enough, the leader uh, in that department, the record in that department is Drew Brees, who had 54 straight games with at least one touchdown pass. Uh, so, you know, he's he's got all sorts of records, and he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and it'll be well-deserved. You know, I, I really like Drew Brees. As you mentioned, he's a class act. And I, I draw a lot of comparisons because I got to know Peyton Manning. I uh, had a chance to meet him on uh, different occasions here in town. Obviously, he a lot of different functions. Had an opportunity to talk with Peyton Manning before. A very class act. But also, if you look at the younger years of Peyton Manning, if you look at the years when, when he was on the sidelines with Archie Manning, and you look at the, those films that uh, that have came out with Eli and Archie and the other brother whose name escapes me, but had an injury but basically did not become a football player but they said had that happened he would have been a better football player than both Eli and Peyton combined but those years on the sidelines with their dad Archie Manning uh, really kind of cultivated and molded them into uh, very good uh, football players very good people very good men Uh, say what you want about Eli obviously uh, He's getting to that point of the year, just like his older brother was, career, just like his older brother. There comes a point you just don't have it in you anymore, and that maybe where that's where we're at with Eli Manning. We'll get into that here in just a moment based on Thursday's game. But if you look at Drew Brees and his kids, you can draw that comparison between Archie Manning and the Manning boys and Drew Brees and the Brees boys. Yeah, absolutely. You know, credit to Archie Manning. I mean, you know – it's one thing to produce, you know, quarterbacks and have that kind of pedigree in your bloodline, but you know, to produce good citizens and, you know, good people uh, in society, you know, that's a whole different ball game. And, uh, you know, he was able to do that, and that's what you see in in, uh, in Eli and in Peyton. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I was watching the replay of the Eagles-Giants game this morning with my wife, and she said, I think it's time, and I know we'll get into this, but she said, I think it's time for Eli and Peyton I think it's time for Eli to retire and for him and Peyton to have their own comedy show because they're just so good uh, together and they're both funny guys and they're both very likable guys. So 
I thought it was a great idea, you know. It would be great to see someone give them their own sitcom or, or a reality show or something like that because they're both two likable guys that, uh, you know, the advertising people in New York City, I'm sure, would love to market uh, once football's over for Eli. And, you know, uh, certainly you got to look at the, the contribution that Drew Brees has made to the city of New Orleans. Obviously, he was there during uh, uh, Katrina. He's done a lot for the community. He's really one quarterback that's given a lot back. He's got his foundation, I believe it's called Look to the Stars. And they go around and they, they do a lot of different things uh, for kids, flag, flag football, a lot of things, getting your kids active, getting your kids into football. So I think that says a lot to a character of a man. Uh, to be a good father, to be a good husband, to be a good player on the field, but most importantly, to give back what's been given to him. And I think he's yeah. done a, a, an excellent job at doing that. Yeah, you know, and, and you're right. And a lot of NFL players do that. And, and a lot of it just doesn't get noticed. Uh, you know, you, people think, you know, you see the, the whole anthem thing, and thank goodness we've moved, moved past that. But, you know, these NFL players do give back. Look at J.J. Watt down in Houston, what he did when that hurricane uh, ripped through Houston. And then, uh, you know, you mentioned Breeze. Then even in Philadelphia, Carson Wentz has his AO1 foundation that, uh, you know, helps underprivileged countries and gives money. And Chris Long has donated, you know, paychecks uh, to, uh, you know, reading literacy. And, uh, you know, NFL players do that kind of thing all the time. And Drew Breeze's uh, charity is in the spotlight, obviously, because of what he has done with setting all these records. But, uh, you know, NFL players, a lot of them uh, do give back. And a lot of times it just doesn't go reported. Yeah, and that's fine. And I don't know that a lot of players do it to get noticed. Uh, but, it, you know, since we were talking right. about Drew Brees, it's, it's good to, to to take notice of the things that that he's that he's done. You mentioned now, I'm glad you just brought that up because it brings us into a new conversation. And that is the conversation of the Philadelphia Eagles going into MetLife sta- Stadium and just uh, basically clobbering uh, the, the New York Giants. Obviously, a, a player you know well. Uh, there, Shaquan Barkley. I think it's time that they cut ties uh, with Eli Manning. Maybe that's where we're at. But you mentioned just now, thank God we're past the kneeling controversy. If (laughs) the rumor is true that the New York Giants are considering signing Colin Kirkpatrick, does it get (laughs) lit back up again? I'm I'm just curious. There's got to be something that the Giants say, hey, if we bring you on board, stay in the freaking locker room. Do not draw any attention. There's got to be something there. But you've got to think that if he gets back on the NFL field, he's going to basically give the bird to everybody and say, watch this, I'm taking a kneel, and it's going to get all stirred back up again. So I don't know that there's any truth to that rumor, but it was there was enough truth to it that a lot of people were talking about it yesterday. So let's break down the game between the Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz, if you have him on your fantasy football league and you didn't start him, well, you're a sad, sad fellow right now. And I know a lot of people were thinking, well, this is the telltale game for Carson Wentz. Is he back or is he not back? I think he's clearly back. Yeah. You know, Tom, it's just funny to hear you say Colin Kaepernick's name. You, you know, I always mess it up, I know. This, I know Colin Kirkpatrick. Kirkpatrick, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, who the heck is Colin Kaepernick? I need help, I know. Yeah. You got you got to learn to read Tomisms. <laughs> yeah, I got a kick out of that. But but yeah, um, yeah, and I hate to get back on that, and I hope it doesn't come to that. I mean, I I don't know if there's any truth to that rumor or not. I would be very surprised if if that was going to happen that the Giants would bring in Kaepernick. But uh, 
you know, we saw it when the, when the Panthers brought back Eric Reed, who, uh, as a safety, who, who, you know, he kneeled right aside of uh, Colin Kaepernick. Uh, now you got me doing it. Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll just call him K. We'll just call him CK. Just call him CK. Yeah, all right. Or, or, or just Cap. We'll just call him Cap. Yeah, there we okay, go. So, yeah, but Reed kneeled right next to uh, Kaepernick in San Francisco, and he came back, and the Panthers signed him, and, you know, he protested again. Uh, and he'll protest again on Sunday. And yet, you know, there has been nothing really uh, talked about. It's been, it hasn't been reported. And, um, you know, that's how these things come to spotlight is when, you know, the media reports on it. And, you know, right now they're just not doing that. And, uh, you know, you see ratings are up, you know, across the league and all the, you know, windows uh, that they show these games, the 1, the 4.30, the 8 on Sunday, and the Thursday night game, the Monday, they're, they're all up in all those different time windows. So, um you know, you, you sometimes wonder if maybe, you know, the NFL partners didn't cut a deal to say, hey, let's stop talking about this and we hope that it'll go away because, you know, you don't even hear about it on television anymore. So, um, but yeah, that aside, uh, what was your question initially? Something about the, the Giants? Oh, Carson well, Wentz. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. But yes, yeah, so of course he went. Yeah, is he back? Um, I thought he was back. You know, the minute he set foot on the field against the Colts. I mean, you look at his numbers. He, he threw for over 300 yards in, in two games in a row, both losses. Uh, but, you know, he had a terrific game on Thursday night. And one of the areas that he struggled in when he came back uh, was converting in the red zone. You know, the Eagles, when they got in the red zone last year, were the top offense in the league. And Wentz was the top quarterback in the league in scoring touchdowns once they got there. Uh, you saw them do that this week. Thursday night against the Giants as they converted uh, touchdowns, three touchdowns in the red zone. And, you know, yeah, they kicked field goals, but they were much more efficient in the red zone. And then on third down, Wentz was the top quarterback on third down conversions last, sort of struggled with that in his return. But then on Thursday night, they go out and convert nine of 16 of them for 56%, which is, you know, tremendous to be able to keep an offense on the field by, you know, taking third downs and making them first down. So, you know, in those two aspects, Wentz showed like he might be back. But to me, he's been back all along. He's been putting up numbers. He, he's had he has eight touchdown passes now in his four games back to only one interception. Uh, you know, that's only in four games. And he threw, remember, he threw 33 of them last year in 12 games before he got hurt, which is a, a single season record in Philadelphia. So, you know, if you're sitting Carson Wentz and Wentz in fantasy football, uh, you know, shame on you because this guy has been back. It's just that there have been some numbers that we're kind of missing that really don't impact fantasy stats, and that's the third downs and the red zone. And, and in that regard, maybe he's back. The, the talk in Philly the last 48 hours, Tom, has been about are the Eagles back or are the Giants just bad? And I, and I think it's both. I think the Giants are just horrible with that offensive line just gave up so many pressures. Eli looks like a shot fighter back there. Uh, inaccurate throws, not willing to – hang in there to throw the ball deep. Um, but, you know, you could say the Eagles are back. It was a must-win first division game. They got it. And, you know, let's see if that is the turning point in the season going forward. It was last year when the Giants came to Philadelphia and Jake Elliott kicked that 61-yard field goal to win the game with no time left. That kind of jump-started the Eagles towards the Super Bowl. We'll see if this game on Thursday had the same effect for them this year. <laughs> And, you know, here's here's what I'm going to say. Uh, I think the Giants need to cut ties with Eli Manning and Odell Beckman Jr., the only leader that I saw 
uh, that is the future star and the future of the Giants was a player you're very familiar with from Penn State, and that's Saquon Barkley. Uh, yeah, phenomenal. That's all I saw. And, and Odell Beckham yeah. Jr., if I was the Giants, I'd be getting on the phone to every NFL team and says, hey, what, what would you give me for, for Odell Beckman Jr.? Taking him off my hands. Eli Manning, agent should be saying, Eli, let's call it. Let's, let's call it. It's, it's, it's time to retire or it's time to just go be a backup quarterback in Arizona somewhere or something. Uh, but the Giants are in a mess, and Eli and uh, Odell Beckman Jr. clearly aren't the leaders on the field. No, you know, and it's funny. I mentioned that I watched the replay on Fox today of, of the Eagles and the Giants this morning. And, uh, you know, one thing that struck me was there was a point early in the game where Alshon Jeffrey came out and he's waving to the camera uh, during a timeout, like saying hi to somebody and just having fun and looking like he's having fun. And, and then you contrast that to Odell Beckham, who, you know, leaves the field before halftime with a play to go and always shaking his head and always sullen and looking angry and, and not having any fun. Um, you know, to me, that's a big, big problem. And the Giants should have moved past Beckham before signing him to that big contract. Already he's carping about wanting more money, even though he just signed a new deal two months ago. I mean, I, I just don't know how you can have that kind of influence in the locker room. Uh, and I feel for a kid like Saquon Barkley, who does all the right things. You know, the thing I like about Saquon is he scores a touchdown and he doesn't do any, you know, celebrations that you see. He just flips the ball to the ref kind of like uh, Barry Sanders did, and, and just gets on with the, the game. I mean, I love that about that kid. I love the fact that he wants to be great. And, uh, he's just such a well-spoken, well-groomed kid that, uh, you know, I, it's crazy when you think that he can put up 229 yards of total offense in that game Thursday, and the Giants only score 13 points. Um, you know, I don't know how that happens. Uh, but you're right. It's time, I think, to cut bait with Beckham. I, I don't know. I heard a someone say on the pregame of Fox this morning that maybe they trade, try to trade him to Oakland. Um, I don't know. I mean, good luck getting something for him. I mean, he is that kind of a negative influence on a team and, you know, the Giants might just be stuck with him. Uh, and then Eli, boy, you know, he just did not look himself. Like I said, he looks like a shot fighter, looks done. Uh, but you, you wonder how much of that too is the offensive line that, you know, they just couldn't block anybody on Thursday. The Eagles just, you know, they just ran them right over like they weren't even there. Fletcher Cox, you know, he took over that game. They hit Eli 13 times, sacked him four times. And, um, you know, I don't know how you can play quarterback when you're under that kind of duress. But uh, if they had an offensive line, you wonder, hey, maybe Eli can make some plays, enough plays anyway to uh, move the ball down the field. But right now, you don't know whether it's Eli or the offensive line. It's probably a little of both. And, I don't know where they go from here. You know, do you give the kid from Richmond, Kyle Loletta, uh, a chance, the rookie, who they drafted in the fourth or the fifth round this year? Uh, I don't know if he's the answer, but they really need to do something. I just don't see how they can continue on uh, with what they're doing offensively. And because you have five offensive linemen and really not a lot of options to replace anybody with, maybe I just replace one guy, Eli, a quarterback, and go with the young kid because at one and five, you're not going anywhere anyway. 
Well, I tell you what, we're going to kind of uh, shift gears here for just a moment here because I did want to bring somebody on here at the bottom of the hour. Mo's supposed to be calling here, but uh, but we do have Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, on where I've been breaking down the, the game between the Eagles and the Giants at MetLife Stadium. Uh, I do want to talk with our next person here uh, about the Colts and the Jets as they go into MetLife as well. Uh, but also want to talk with him because he's a big Yankees fan. In all fairness, he's a he's a good friend of mine and a, a colleague of mine, Rich Riviera. Rich, welcome to the balance, sir. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, buddy. You know, I had to have you on this week, and and I know you've said a couple times you'll come on, and I appreciate you coming on. We're going to get to the Yankees and the Red Sox here in just a moment because I know that's a huge passion of yours, so we'll go easy on you. You're joined now by with us also Ed Kratz, which is the beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and our uh, official uh, NFL contributor. Guys, let's kind of talk a little bit about the Colts this week, the Colts and uh, the Jets. It looks like a good win. First of all, uh, Rich, I know you have some strong thoughts about the Indianapolis Colts this year, and and you're a Colts fan. So go ahead. We'll, We'll give you the first. Go ahead, sir. Well, I mean, I'm seeing some positive trends with the Colts. I mean, we could easily be, uh, you know, uh, undefeated or uh, with one loss. Um, you know, we it's going to hurt this week. I think, uh, you know, Ebron's injured and Doyle's out. We need some tight end help there. But, you know, Luck's trending in the right direction. I think they're trending in the right direction. And, um, you know, if we can we, – we're, we're, I honestly believe we're just a couple pieces away from being very competitive. Ed, uh, your thoughts? We've got the uh, uh, the Colts and the Jets. The Colts uh, go to MetLife Stadium. Uh, you were just there on Thursday night. Which great picture, by the way, you sent me on that. Uh, but uh, so the Col- the Colts, as Rich said, we've got some key pieces that we got to put together. Uh, but the Colts and the Jets, I think it's a very winnable game. And I think the Colts over the next month have some very winnable games. We have got Buffalo next week, and we've got a very uh, favorable schedule that we could end up at, at five hundred by the, by. The next three or four weeks. Go ahead, Ed. Yeah, uh, you know, just looking at the Jets game, I mean, you have to win the first game before you can win the next game. So, you know, this is a winnable game. Um, you know, the Jets have looked okay. Sam Darnold, the rookie cornerback, a quarterback, has showed, uh, you know, some good and some bad, which you might expect from a rookie. Um, but yeah, it's a winnable game. I, I really like the way the Colts are, are playing on defense. I, I think that. Um, you know, they really have some good pieces defensively to, to work with. Um, and then, of course, Andrew Luck on offense. You know, I referenced that consecutive games with a touchdown streak. And, you know, Wentz has a new Eagle record at 19. Well, the longest active streak in the NFL is Andrew Luck. He's had 28 straight games, I believe it is, 27 or 28 straight games with a touchdown pass. And, you know, I mentioned the record is 54 by Breeze, so he's got a ways to go before that. But, um, you know, it just shows you that, you know, he's an effective quarterback and, um, you know, I don't necessarily like all the weapons that are around him. They need to have more of a running game. They need to get a running back. Um, but they have some good pieces in place, and I think that they're still learning how to win under Frank Reich. You know, when you look back at the Eagles season in 2016, uh, the Eagles lost uh, nine games that year, but I think seven of them were by six points or less. So they were right there. They were close. They, you know, it's a fine line between winning and losing, and I think you have to kind of suffer some of those defeats before you can learn how to win. And I think the Colts are having those shares of defeats and, and and we'll only get better because of them. And whether or not it's this week or next week or, you know, enough to finish eight and eight uh, remains to be seen. But I I do like the direction that they're trending. I like the 
you know, the, the job that uh, Frank Reich is doing. And, you know, Andrew Luck has looked like his old self, which is a great sign. Well, let's kind of get into some of these games here in just a moment. We're standing by for Mo from the BS Sports Show as we're going to uh, merge into our MLB conversation here in just a moment. I wanted Rich to be on uh, for that so we could talk about the Yankees and the Red Sox. Get to that in just a second. But, Rich, I want to give you an opportunity because I know you're a big football fan. Feel free to ask our NFL expert any question about the NFL week six that you may have on your mind that's keeping you up at night. <laughs> Well, what's keeping me up at night, I mean, I think he answered very well. I mean, I think the the fact that, you know, he feels that the Colts are trending in the right direction. I feel the same way about the defense. I can tell that they've they've improved. Um, and uh, I, I love that he said that, you know, we're just learning how to win under Frank Reich. And, and, I, and I agree with that. I, I see it's getting better, even though we've had some, some tough losses there. Um, but, uh, you know, the Andrew Luck factor is definitely – the most important key here. He doesn't have a lot of weapons offensively, uh, but like you said, the consecutive touchdown passes, the fact that the accuracy is getting better, the fact that he's throwing the ball uh, with a little bit more zip uh, and he's getting rid of it uh, a lot quicker than he used to in the past. Um, I really believe the same thing, you know, that we're just a few pieces away and then Frank Reich is really going to put us in a good position here in the next couple of years uh, to utilize Andrew's talents if he can stay healthy and uh, really make a strong run there. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm optimistic, even though we're our record doesn't look 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 that that great. So, uh, Rich, you had told me that you're ready to sell your season tickets to <laughs> to the highest bidder uh, with Indianapolis Colts. That's how frustrated you are. Yeah, Rich, Rich is a good friend of mine. He's from the Bronx, I believe, or Brooklyn, or one of those uh, burbs of New York City. Uh, Ed spends a lot of time in New York City as well as his, his son's in college there and of course, close proximity uh, to Philadelphia. So uh, Rich, uh, ha- uh, Ed, Rich has that very New York opinion. So, uh, <laughs> but he is a season ticket all holder. Well, listen, with, with listen, in, all, in all fairness, in all fairness, Tom, I had a rough week. You know, I, I uh, the Yankees got taken out by you know the, the the worst possible team they could possibly be taken out by. Uh, and then you know, obviously, Tom Brady did what he did, what he does to the Colts every every time. So I had a bad week, Boston wise. So you know, I may not have been thinking the most clearly when I said I was going to get rid of that season <laughs> ticket, but, uh, but uh, you know. Uh, you know, you, you ask me now when I'm a little bit more sane, and 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 I can give you better answers. Well, yeah, this is a good this is a good platform. You know, there might be some people out there that that want to buy some Colt season tickets. Uh, joining us now, Mo from the BS Sports Show. Uh, Mo, we're talking with Ed Kratz, and we got a special guest on with us, Rich Riviera, which is a huge Yankees fan. So let's put a pause on the NFL conversation because I know there was a couple things that Rich uh, uh, was going to come on and talk about, and and he's we got him for just a limited amount of time here. Uh, but let's go into the MLB playoffs, guys. Uh, uh, Ed, I know you're very familiar with the National. National League, obviously, with your coverage of the Phillies. I'm a diehard Cardinals fan. Uh, we got uh, uh, Mo, who uh, covers the Cleveland market area, uh, but uh, certainly I believe he's a Cubs fan as well. So let's go ahead and talk about this, Rich. How big of a Manning factor is uh, Manning to the Yankees in October? Let's let's talk a little bit about what your thoughts are as a Yankees fan, and you are a diehard Yankees fan. You got the license plate to prove it. Uh, <laughs> let, let's talk a little bit about your thoughts as just as a fan about the Yankees. And I know you can't bear rare to say the word Red Sox, so I'll say it for you. But the Red Sox were the better team this year. Go right ahead, uh, Rich. 
You can unload. Well, you can vent no, all you want. Yeah, that's fine. There's listen. You know, there's one thing about being a fan, and there's one thing about being realistic. Uh, the Boston Red Sox won 107 games. Um, these guys are 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 just a great team. I mean, they they play small ball. They do what it takes to put the bat on the ball and hit the ball the other way or go with the pitch. Um, they're not they're not up there swinging for the fences every every time they're at the bat. Um, they they know how to piece it together with their pitching. Um, they, their manager is fantastic. He knows when to hit and run. He knows when to bunt. He knows when to put a shift on. Um, so I mean, they, they didn't win 107 games for nothing. So I give credit where credit's due. Uh, there's a lot of great teams. You know, I was very shocked last night. The Milwaukee Brewers are just continuing to to just steamroll everybody that they play. Um, it goes to show you that in October, it doesn't matter how well you played of the 162 games. When you get into October, if you get hot at the right time, you can really you can really take it all away. So uh, I look for the the Red Sox in Houston to, to to play really well against each other. They're very similar teams. They're gritty. Uh, they know how to hit. They know how to pitch. And they both uh, they both have a lot of heart. So um, I'm going to be rooting for the Houston Astros, but nonetheless, I wouldn't be surprised if Boston takes that series as well. But the, the big surprise for me has been the Brewers. Um, I thought that the Dodgers would handle business yesterday, um, but after watching that game and just getting a feel for that Brewers team, because I'm not as familiar with the National League as as I am with the American League, I'm just I'd be afraid for anybody who's, who has to play the Brewers. I like the Brewers, and, I, and that's, as, I, as I mentioned before, you're a good friend and a colleague, and I've talked to you uh, a moment, a lot, lots of times about the Brewers, and I think that they're on a hot streak. Uh, Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us. Mo, uh, I know you cover the, the Cleveland Indians, uh, but you're a Cubs fan. The Cubs didn't get in. The Indians are, are not in either. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what you saw in the American League things this year obviously the A's uh, had a had a great opportunity to come in and and uh, eliminate the Yankees that did not happen uh, but certainly what are your thoughts as we go into Houston and Boston you heard Rich's uh, comments on the Boston and Yankees uh, game but anytime you get a, a a huge rivalry matchup like that that is always something good for the month of October Mo. Yeah, I mean, you know, like he said, the the big thing to me was, you know, the fact that Boston can play small ball. It's great to watch Giancarlo Stanton launch a 500-foot bomb, and that's awesome in the middle of July. But when it comes to needing a key hit, is he really a guy that can do that for you? And Boston has numerous guys up and down that lineup who can come in and drive in runs. You know, we saw uh, in that series a lot of just base hits and just moving the guys over, and, and that, that produced a lot of runs for Boston. I think when you get into uh, Boston and Houston, what it's going to come down to at that point is the bullpen, and I think Houston has the edge in that. Uh, you know, same reason that Milwaukee has been so successful is that they, I believe they have a better bullpen than, uh, you know, than the Dodgers do. And in this day and age now of the uh, new way Major League Baseball is being played where you want five innings after the starter and get your bullpen, I think that's going to be a, an advantage for uh, the Brewers and for the Astros. Ed, uh, we'll get we'll get to you here real quick. We know I, I know we're getting up on your your time clock here, so I want to make sure you get your your final word on the NFL uh, and also any thoughts that you may have. I know you cover the National League. Uh, I'm a big National League guy myself. I'm uh, rooting for the Brewers in this particular uh, uh, matchup. But what are your thoughts on on the the uh, postseason MLB? And what are your uh, final thoughts on the NFL? Uh, and then. You can bail, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I kind of hate to admit about the, the baseball is I haven't I haven't paid too much attention these last two weeks to to it. Just uh, you know, the, with the Eagles and the NFL, and you know, the Eagles playing on a short week. I've had to put my uh, my limited brains 
brain resources into into that <laughs> more than the uh, Major League Baseball. But um, you know, I have followed the Brewers, and you know, they are kind of the surprise to me that they're doing what they're doing. Uh, your, your friend there, Rich, mentioned that, that they they've gotten hot at the right time, and that can go a long way. And, you know, now they're up 1-0 in the series against LA. Um, you know, that's that's good. That looks good for them. And I can't root for the Astros. I know that. I just, uh, you know, I'm so I have to, I'm an East Coast guy, so I got to go Red Sox in this one. I hate to do it. Um, you know, I think it's gonna we're gonna see the Red Sox and maybe the Brewers, which is, you know, who had that at the beginning of the year? You probably had the Red Sox as a team, but the Brewers maybe not so much. Um, yeah, as far as the NFL goes, uh, you know, it's just it's nice to be able to. You know, watch games on Sunday without having to worry about covering a team and kind of not being able to pay attention to all the other uh, games that are going on. So, you know, I like this, this Sunday to just kind of sit back and watch and the college games today. So uh, it would be a good weekend for me. All right, Ed, we appreciate you joining us. Ed, our official NFL contributor uh, and beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and uh, at the Sports Exchange, you can find his work at www.footballmaven.io. Eagles. Uh, did I get that right, uh, Ed? I think you I've did, got it man. down. Now. You, you can take right, it right. People still say www. I don't know. That's what you. When I, I originally, or... when you originally took that position, that's what you told me to say. So I just. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm yeah. like, I know, I'm, like just, uh, I'm just wondering. I'm just curious. Do you, do people even say, you know, when they want to look at a website, that they even throw those three W's in, or? Is it, I, I, don't I don't think know. so. I, I just I, random question. I, I'm like Ron Burgundy. If you put something in front of me, I'm going to read it. So <laughs> yeah. That's fine. You, you know, you're nailing it. You're doing a good job with it, and I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, buddy. You have yourself a good weekend, sir. All right. Thanks. See you guys. Ed Kratz, always love having him on, our official NFL contributor. All right, guys, uh, Rich is uh, with us, and I know we got you for a limited amount of time as well, and I do want to get into some of this MLB talk. But I'm going to let you two talk here, Mo and uh, Rich. Uh, Rich, I know you're a, a boxing fan. Mo, you're a boxing fan, and you're also a boxing better. Uh, so one of the uh, the things that we would, we would want to talk about is the Terrence Crawford fight tonight. Uh, so we'll start with you, Mo. What are your thoughts on that? And then we'll – Get to you, Rich, because I know you're a huge boxing fan as well, Mo. Go ahead. Well, you know, this is a fight tonight that uh, – and here's why at times when you're betting you have to be smart. It, it's a fight that because of baseball, because of uh, covering the Cavs uh, this past week at the end of the preseason in the, in the Browns, I haven't enough time to do enough uh, on it to put my money on So sometimes the best bet you can make is not to bet at all. Uh, you know, so, I mean, there's a lot of times I know it's fun to throw money on things to make it more interesting, but to be quite honest, uh, with, uh, with basketball starting back up too, I haven't had much time for boxing and having to uh, write an article in the UFC, uh, melee last week has, uh, eaten up all my, uh, my combat sports for the week. So unfortunately, <laughs> this is a, a boxing match that I'm going to have to stay away from tonight. Well, I can agree with you staying away from it. I can agree with you staying away from it. I, I, you know, the the press conference. I don't, I'm not sure if you had a chance to take a look at it, but the press conference was was pretty hectic for a boxing fight. People don't know much about. Um, I think, uh, you know, Jose took a swing at Terrence Crawford, or excuse me, Terrence Crawford took a swing at him. He was literally millimeters away from 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 tagging him at the, at the press conference in the weigh-in. Uh, but, you know, you can't go wrong right now betting on, on Terrence Crawford even blindly. Uh, I don't think anybody's even in the same league as he is at this point. But, uh, you know, um, boxing needs these guys, needs these names, needs people like Terrence Crawford out there. 
you know, to, to really build up the sport because it has kind of gone down. But it is, it is, it does look like it's MMA and and boxing is starting to trend that WWE line where you know you're starting to get these melees and and starting to get these press conferences that are just uh, just going out of whack and uh, it's going to go too far at some point. But I still I would still you know would think Terrence Crawford will handle business tonight very easily. Uh, Richard, do you have any uh, final questions for Mo for the BS Sports Show about boxing, about the NFL, about betting, about uh, the MLB playoffs, the World Series, anything that's on your mind that you'd like to ask him? Uh, no, you know, the only thing I would say is, you know, hey, go, go Astros. Uh, I'm an East Coast guy too, but going for the Red Sox, I could never do that. <laughs> no, no, no. I could, I could definitely see that. All right, Richard, we appreciate you jumping on board with us today. Hey, no problem. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, bye-bye. Rich Riviera, he's a good friend of mine and a colleague and a huge Yankees fan, and I wanted to give him an opportunity to come on and talk about the Yankees. So, Mo, let's just uh, kind of wrap up the show here talking about the Fall Classic, and uh, we'll start over in the National League. We'll look at the Dodgers and the Brewers. Talk with us a little bit about the journey between the both of them. As you heard Ed say, the Brewers are hot now. I think they were kind of the October surprise, but not really because they really began playing hot uh, after the All-Star break. Uh, and, uh, again, your Cubs got put out uh, by, by the Rockies. You didn't see that coming. A lot of people did not uh, anticipate the Cubs not being in the postseason, per se. Uh, so uh, uh, thoughts on the overall National League MLB and how we got to where we're at now with the Dodgers and the Brewers. What are your thoughts uh, as one of these teams are going to end up winning the NLCS? Well, I mean, you know, as cool as it might be to see the Brewers who uh, haven't been there forever, you know, I mean, what could be fun is if you get the Astros and the Brewers, you get a National League team that used to be an American League team, and in the Astros you get an American League team that used to be a National League team. So that would be, uh, you know, somewhat fun. But i got to believe that there are uh, people at the MLB offices and uh, the commissioner, Rob Manfred, who uh, whose sphincter is puckered, hoping that the Brewers don't make it because you look at a few years back, this first year when the Royals made the uh, World Series, and the ratings were at an all-time low. So where it might be a fun news story to have the uh, the Brewers in there, i got to believe that Major League Baseball is praying for a uh, Boston-L.A. Uh, World Series, but I, I don't feel like at this point that they're going to uh, going to get it. The, uh, the Dodgers do get some timely hitting, and I think they have better starting pitching, but the uh, acquisitions made by the uh, by the Brewers have, have been phenomenal. You look at Christian Yelich, who's going to be the NL MVP, uh, Gio Gonzalez, who pitched last night, uh, you know, it's very rare that a team wins the offseason and turns around and, and, and catapults that into success in the postseason. So, uh, you know, the Brewers are doing something that's not done a, a whole lot uh, when you look at that. You know, they made some key acquisitions and then, uh, and then uh, you know, now we're, we're having success in the postseason. The, uh, the one thing that would scare me from the Brewers is, the, uh, is keeping guys off base before Manny Machado bats because that guy has been an absolute beast of this postseason so far. So, uh, if I'm the Brewers, the the key for me is, is keeping the bases empty when you, you're throwing to Manny Machado. Well, you, you talk about some key acquisitions with uh, the Brewers, and one of the things you got to look at with the Brewers and, and with all teams, but when you're able to be successful in building through your farm system and the way that the MLB is set up uh, in drafting young players and getting them through your farm system and really developing them helps out a lot. And let's look back over the last few years, the Milwaukee Brewers, if you want to look at a team on how well they're going to be four or five, six years down the road, 
Look at what they're doing right now in the AAA and the AA and the, and the rookie leagues. Look at what they're doing in the farm uh, 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 group as, as we have the Indianapolis Indians here in town. Look at how many key players have came up from the Indians and have, have become good stars in the MLB and with the Pirates. I just use them as an example because they're here in town. Uh, but you got to look at, again, the Brewers have did a lot of development through their, through their farm system over the last five years. Well, look at the last two World Series champions, and that, they did it that way too in the Houston Astros and the Chicago Cubs. Unfortunately, uh, unless you're willing to spend, uh, you know, like the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Dodgers, uh, you've got to build that way. So, unfortunately, in baseball, you've got to be terrible to, to get great and be good then in the front office at, uh, at drafting. You know, just ask the, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. They tried to do a hack in into what the Astros were doing. So, they were doing something right. And, and then you look at the Cubs, who did it that way too by uh, being terrible and and making trades and then building the farm system and, and winning the World Series. So uh, should the Brewers follow that path again this year, maybe spending the big bucks isn't the way to go because you'll have the last three World Series champions that have built through the farm system. Well, let's talk a little bit about the American League, and we talked a little bit about the Yankees and the Red Sox, but that was a huge, huge matchup uh, between the Red Sox and the Yankees. It's just a, 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 a rivalry among all rivalries, and it probably even deeper than the Cubs and the Cardinals. And uh, that goes back years and decades and generations of, of, uh, of, of a rivalry. And whenever you have that, and you have that for the ALCS, I mean, all along, the Boston Red Sox were the better team all year long, but at the same time, it, it's always good to see that rivalry in action when it comes down to it because it's a bitter, bitter rivalry. It is, and, you know, you wonder if that takes, uh, you know, some of the emotion out of uh, this team going in against the Astros when you have to spend that kind of emotion in a rivalry series. But for me, uh, you know, if, if I'm Boston, if uh, you know, if I'm Houston, the, the pressure's on Boston, you know, like it was a couple years ago with the Warriors when they won – 73 games and couldn't close it out uh, in the NBA Finals. So, to me, if I'm Houston, I'm banking on that pressure Boston's putting on themselves by having a great season, the best one in Red Sox history. But does it really mean anything if you don't win the World Series and then you're coming out of their uh, their rivalry matchup with the Yankees? So, you know, I I think that uh, emotionally maybe the Red Sox could be spent a little bit and you could see Houston get out to uh, uh, an early, you know, two games and nothing lead maybe on uh, on the Red Sox. Let's talk a little bit about the Houston Astros. Uh, I, again, I, I didn't follow a lot of Houston Astros this year, uh, but they're clearly a good team. Uh, talk with us a little bit about the Astros, uh, their weapons, and what they've got to do to beat the Boston Red Sox. Well, I mean, you've got Altuve, who's the uh, reigning AL MVP, a guy who can put the bat on the ball and, and get uh, on base for you, you know, 99% of the time. Uh, Carlos Correa has been hobbled a little bit by injury this year. That's changed. But for me, the uh, – uh, the, the main stars of that team now are, have been guys that we didn't talk about as much last year. When you look at uh, guys like the third baseman, Alex Bregman, who has hit uh, homers in the last seven postseason games, or uh, George Springer, who continues just to knock the cover off the ball uh, and and come up with a big hit and a big home run. Uh, so to me, where a lot of focus is on guys like Altuve, I think the uh, the big thing is going to be the continued success of, uh, of Springer and uh, Alex Bregman, their third baseman. Well, we'll see what happens. If you were to put your money on who goes to the World Series at this moment, who would it be? Houston and Milwaukee. Right. We're going to save the, uh, the, the bet for the winner uh, when we know who's actually going to be in the World Series. So what we always like to do with you, Mo, 
We got time, and I, and I gave you the heads up, so hopefully uh, you're able to, to look at some of these games. Uh, but we want to kind of look at some of the good bets, safe bets. Uh, stay away from the, these games. We're just going to throw around some games uh, that that you know Vegas is looking at. Maybe give us some insight if you're if you're the uh, the betting person on these particular games. So. Let's go ahead and start with the Central Florida game. Uh, we talked a little bit about that earlier with Rick on the UCF game. Obviously, they are undefeated, uh, but they are a – I don't want to say weak undefeated because they're not a weak team, but they're not a as strong as a, as a undefeated Notre Dame, if that makes sense. Right, but you look at a team that's continued to stay undefeated as they were uh, last year. And, you know, sometimes a couple things uh, going right for a team uh, and putting them on a streak like this, you know, obviously the team's conscious of the streak, uh, the coach is conscious of the streak. And, uh, you know, you build up a lot of, uh, you know, you guys, the guys build up a, a lot of momentum moving forward. And sometimes it's hard to bet against that, even if, if, you, if you don't like the opponent of the game. So uh, when things become streaks, you know, a lot of times they become things that are easy to bet on. So, uh, you know, this is a team in Central Florida that I continue to like until they prove me wrong. They're a team that I continue to like. Well, let's uh, look at Tennessee. They're on the road against Auburn. Uh, Tennessee two and three. Auburn uh, four and two. Auburn has slipped all the way down to twenty one. They certainly aren't the Auburn of years past. Uh, what are your thoughts as far as the betting line uh, with Tennessee at Auburn? Well, Auburn took a big dump last week, uh, you know, in, in a game that they probably should have won. But, uh, you know, you look at the Tennessee team who is, is continuing to struggle when it comes to big games. Uh, they've been a team on the rebuild, it feels like, for the last seven or eight years. Uh, you know, this is a game that, that Auburn usually handles pretty easy every year. And, and the point spread, while it may be, you know, a double-digit point spread, it's a team in Auburn that that's hard to bet against when it comes to Tennessee. There are certain matchups with Auburn that I don't like, but this Tennessee matchup I do. So this is one of those ones where I would take Auburn, and even though it's a, it's a decent amount of points, I would still give the points. So uh, Pitt is at Notre Dame. Uh, Pitt has a way of showing up for big games. Notre Dame cannot afford a loss to, uh, to have even a whiff of being in the uh, college football playoffs. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game as far as if you're uh, a betting man or in Vegas or the Vegas, uh, look at it, if you will, uh, pit at Notre Dame? Well, I mean, ever since Ian Book has, has come into the lineup, Notre Dame has not played the, the close games that we were accustomed to with Brandon Wimbush. And I think that as a better, that's what you look for. You look for teams to stretch that line and quarterbacks that can do that. And, uh, and with Book, that has become a, a staple of the Notre Dame team. So, in this game where, you know, it was a heartbreaking uh, defeat uh, that Pitt had last time they played Notre Dame, I do like Notre Dame in this game uh, to uh, to spread it out uh, a little bit more. That makes that point spread bigger. And that's been, the uh, like I said, been the uh, thing that Ian Book's been able to do. Uh, so, again, even though you're giving a little bit of points, uh, I, I do like Notre Dame in this game. Uh, again, just because of the change of quarterback, uh, I, I like the way that, uh, that Ian Book has led this team and, and able to throw the ball downfield and get Notre Dame putting a lot more points on the board. Let's look at Penn State. They're at home. They got totally outcoached a couple weeks ago by Urban Meyer. Uh, they uh, play Michigan State. Michigan State three and two. Penn State four and one. They're at home. This gives them a little bit of advantage. But if you look at the way the Penn State played against Ohio State a couple weeks ago, I wouldn't be that encouraged. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you're still playing the best team in the Big Ten, and, and to have a stumble. Uh, at the end against Ohio State, uh, you know, I still I don't 
I don't look down on Penn State that much when it comes to that. But, you know, Michigan State's been an up-and-down team. Uh, they're a team coming off a loss. Uh, I, I like Penn State anytime at home. Uh, you know, even if you bet on Penn State in an Ohio State game, you, you still won money. Uh, so as, from a betting standpoint and from an overall analysis standpoint, I do like Penn State at home against Michigan State. I don't think they're that good. Uh, I, I don't think that uh, uh, that Michigan State is a team that can come into Penn State and knock these guys off. So uh, if you're betting on this game, I think it's a safe bet with Penn State at home. So Ed Oregon uh, comes in to play uh, – I mean, I'm sorry, host uh, – yeah, Ed Oregon is at home against uh, a very good Georgia Bulldog team. Does he buckle again against Georgia? I think so, and and here's why. Um, uh, Jake Fromm, the quarterback uh, of Georgia, is uh, is so phenomenal. His uh, his vision, uh, you know, and and I was watching a series on Netflix called QB One, to where they uh, follow the uh, senior season, the high school season of Jake Fromm, who became the quarterback in Georgia, and. The head on this kid's shoulders is phenomenal. He's got a phenomenal uh, support system. And uh, he's a kid who, uh, who just lights up at quarterback and, and doesn't really make bad decisions. Uh, I like the Georgia defense. Uh, you know, LSU has struggled at times on, on offense this year. And, uh, you know, it feels at times like Ed Ogeron maybe has lost that locker room in, during certain games. So uh, I like Georgia in this football game uh, to win and to cover. Again, you know, got another team that's, uh, that's given points, but – you know, sometimes it's just that way uh, on the betting lines, but I like Georgia. Florida's on the road to go into Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt played a very good game against Notre Dame, and if you think back, of course, this was before the quarterback changeover, but you do realize that Notre Dame, I mean, that Vanderbilt almost beat Notre Dame. Uh, Florida's ranked number uh, 14 on the road against Vanderbilt. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Vanderbilt uh, is a decent team, but I think you look at a Florida team that's starting to gain momentum. Uh, they're a team that uh, that is starting to come together very nice. They've got a lot of quality athletes, and you just wondered how long it would take them finally to get it all together, and it seems like this Florida team uh, is doing that. Uh, as much as I liked uh, the grit that Vanderbilt showed against Notre Dame, uh, this Florida team I think is going to be a tough ask for Vanderbilt, and I like Florida big in this game. So the last uh, couple games, and then we'll get into some NFL real quickly before we have to wrap it up and put a bow on it. So both games in Texas, the one that I am like – like we talked about off mic, what a win. Texas, did they redeem themselves against a last-second win against Oklahoma last week? Uh, this week, they, they host Baylor. What uh, comes in at Texas rank, uh, rank nine. They're five and one. Baylor's four and two. I think momentum alone at home gives the Longhorns the win. But what are your thoughts as far as the Vegas man goes? I mean, the only thing that concerns you is, uh, you know, a letdown for a team that's a young team after that big win last week. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, Tom Herman in Texas is starting to figure it out. You're starting to see those uh, shades of, uh, of that Ohio State offense. Uh, I, I like Texas in this game. I don't think that they bow down easy to Baylor. Uh, I, I think you see Texas with a double-digit win. So it's another game that uh, where you're picking the favorite. Uh, but like I said, sometimes weeks just fall like that. I, I like Texas, and I, I'll give the points. So we've got Texas A&M on the road to South Carolina. South Carolina is a very good three and two team. They're at home. The Gamecocks uh, uh, against the Texas A&M Aggies. Well, I mean, I think if you look, it's another it's another time that uh, uh, the Jimbo Fisher's got to show up to get a big win, especially on the road. 
Um, you're going to South Carolina, which, I mean, isn't the easiest place to play, but it's nothing like, uh, you know, going into Alabama or going into Auburn to play. So I, I don't think it'll be a, a super rough game uh, for this team to try to win, not like Texas A&M, uh, on the road. And you, you look at a much smaller point spread here than some of the other games we've talked about. So I like Texas uh, A&M in this game. I think they go to South Carolina and uh, and take care of business. Talking with Mo from the BS Sports Show. Uh, we're talking about some safe bets and good bets and uh, keep keep your money uh, where your mouth is or whatever. Let's talk a little bit about the Chargers on the road to Cleveland. Baker Mayfield's at the helm. If you are a betting man, does does the Browns continue some good movement forward? Well, I, you know, I think that uh, I think the Browns do cover the spread, and here's why: I like the defense of uh, of the Browns a lot. I don't love the offensive line of the Chargers. We've seen teams get to uh, to Philip Rivers this year, and the Browns not only have a very good front four, but they also have a very talented defensive backfield. Uh, so I think that the Browns can only keep it close, but I think they'll have a chance to uh, to pull this game out uh, as it comes uh, in the fourth quarter. So I like the Browns at home. Even though it's Philip Rivers and the Chargers, I like the Browns at home. Well, we always gotta we always gotta do a thumbs up or thumbs down. The Colts go to the MetLife Stadium and get a win, a much needed win against the Jets. Thumbs up or thumbs down, sir? Well, uh, for me this week, as far as that goes, it's going to depend on the health of uh, of Darius Leonard. Not only that, but. Uh, the fact that Eric Ebron might miss this game, uh, along when you look at the edit with uh, with Jack Doyle and T.Y. Hilton, if Eric Ebron's out, which has been the uh, the love of, uh, of Andrew Luck so far this season, I think that would spell disaster for the Indianapolis Colts. So, uh, depending on Eric Ebron's status, would would change my thumbs up or thumbs down. So, until we find out tomorrow game time, my thumbs would be in the middle. In the middle. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with a thumbs up because they need this win. And I honestly think they can get this win. They've got Buffalo, which is not a good team. They really have a good opportunity to, over the next couple of weeks to be at 500, which is where they need to be at right now with how the, the AFC South is playing. There's a very good opportunity that if they can just stay at that 500 level, that they could uh, sneak in to the playoffs, and that would be a huge shot in the arm for the Indianapolis Colts. So we'll see We'll see what happens. Most sports show, where can people find your work and your masterpiece, sir? Uh, you can either check out Pornhub.com or on Twitter at Mulberry. <laughs> gotcha. Sounds good. All right, buddy, you have yourself a good weekend. We'll talk with you soon. All right, Tom, thanks. Hello from the BS Sports Show joins us. Uh, thanks to uh, Rick Riggin, uh, host of Breaking Rank and executive producer of The Balance, joined us today in the first hour, uh, breaking down a lot of the college football action, Notre Dame uh, pick game as well. Uh, Ed Kratz, uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, an official NFL contributor to The Balance, uh, joins us and talks a little bit about the, the Eagles and the, the Giants and some NFL uh, teams. And then we had a, a good opportunity to talk with a good friend of mine, Rich Riviera, uh, which is a huge Yankees fan, talk with him about the Yankees and the Boston Red Sox. Had an opportunity to talk uh, to, to Mo about the, the upcoming ALCS and the NLCS uh, and uh, as we get geared up for the, the Fall Classic and the safe bets as well. Rich and Rick talked a little bit about boxing, if you will. So my name is Tom Marcus El Presidente. Before we end the show, we certainly want to make sure that we send our thoughts and prayers to everybody that was affected by Hurricane Michael. Very destructive hurricane in the Florida panhandle. So we, we hope that everyone in that area is safe. 
uh, and is able to recover quickly. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Remember, don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. We're going to try our best to have Breaking Rink uh, on this Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, myself and Rick Riggin and Matthew Embry will break down college football for the week. Uh, so fingers crossed on that. But nonetheless, we'll be back next Saturday morning. Remember to catch us on all of the podcasts. If you're listening to us on the podcast, just go ahead and hit subscribe. We greatly appreciate that. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.